What's up, everyone? It's Lee McKinney. Welcome back to the Infinite Mind Podcast. This is episode seven. So thanks for joining me. If you've seen any of these, if you're new here, thanks for coming by. We're getting close to 10 of these things, and uh, maybe we'll get a guest or something for the 10th one. It's not necessarily the easiest in my setup. Uh, it's a smaller studio, uh, but I know that it's one thing that people would like is, is for me to get some other musicians and uh, maybe industry people and jujitsu people, who knows, anything. And so I, that is a plan of mine. It's on my radar. So maybe we'll do something cool to celebrate. Uh, number 10. Uh, it's Thursday, July 23rd, 2020. Dead smack in the middle of coronavirus year. Uh, what a mess. But, you know, I think podcasts and stuff like this, at least for me, have been kind of a fun escape, whether it's, you know, I'm going to the going hiking or taking a drive or a walk or exercising podcasts for me personally have been something this year that have made it slightly more tolerable so I hope that this in any way could do that for you one thing this podcast is is it's my way to connect with you guys and so uh, you know if you have questions things you want me to cover topics anything like that feel free to stop by on my social medias and ask me a question now I always say Ask me on any social media, uh, question anything you have, and I'll get to it. But I would be lying if I were to say that most of any questions that I answer are coming off Instagram. So if you want to get with any questions through to me for the podcast, I would, I would definitely recommend Instagram as the way to go. And uh, But any of my socials are going to be at Leo Cyrus. That's at L-E-E-O-S-I-R-I-S. And for that reason, uh, I tell you that because I want you to interact with me. It makes this more fun when I have questions from you guys, topics to cover, all that stuff. So today I'm going to get into recent events with me. I know the last one of these was about three weeks ago. So talk about the 4th of July, talk about some other things. I'm going to review a really cool album as I do on each of these podcasts. Um, sometimes it'll be a song, sometimes it'll be maybe just an artist. But the last, you know, few I would say uh, have been have been albums, and I'm an album kind of guy. I know that the way that the music scene is moving towards these days is kind of a singles game, where drop a single, drop a single, drop a single, music video with each one. To be honest, I, I like that approach, but each time I've even tried to venture into that, the number one question that you get on on that single is, "Where's the album?" So I do know that a lot of people, at least at least followers of this podcast and followers of One of Osiris and Inmotive and some of my guitar playing, I think that a lot of them are also album kind of people. So for them, I always try to do an album and um, I hope you like the bands that I'm showing you guys and I hope you are at least checking these thing, artists out if you haven't already heard of them. I'm sure you've heard of a ton of these artists. I wouldn't even say I'm the most like in tune with the scene or, you know, just I feel like I'm spending so much time writing music and, and kind of furthering my path that uh, sometimes I'll probably tell you about a band that you've heard of for years, you know. And if that's the case, it's cool that we have something in common, but I'm going to keep doing it. Um, so let's see here. What The last, posca- last podcast was, I want to say, maybe three weeks ago. So that was right before, it's like a week before 4th of July, a few days before 4th of July. Um, so that was a Thursday. I think it dropped. Then following Friday, uh, no, 
It was a Wednesday, pretty sure. Because that, that following Thursday, that very next day, Born of Osiris dropped a quarantine performance. And so I'm pretty sure that makes the last one Wednesday. Regardless, who cares? This whole year seems to be running together anyways. Um, so th- that Thursday, I filmed the Boo performance right here in the studio. I'll talk a bit more about that. The next day, I filmed another performance, and that was for Inmotive. And that's because we did a acoustic... Uh, subtle mis- so our song Subtle Mistakes we did an acoustic version of it which is also a quarantine performance similar to the Boo one so we each filmed ourselves in our studio on a camera while we recorded ourselves on our our, stu- our studio setups um, and then we sent them all to be combined and mixed and so that's fun I feel like that's kind of what a lot of artists have to do in this crazy year we're living in um at first, I was opposed, but I'm starting to see more and more of them, and I'm enjoying them from other artists that I like, and uh, so it's all growing on me. And uh, we're gonna do a bunch more of those. I think all the thing, all the groups or music projects that I'm involved in, I think the plan is to, you know, do some more of those. Uh, the next day, I did. Oh, uh, so been going through the gun range. I try to do that once a week, and then I went to took my dog to a doctor's appointment. So this is the dog Sniper, and you may have seen him on my guitar picks that I've brought all over the world. He's on one side. I believe the other is my autograph. So a lot of you have seen his little face or on my social media. He's the sweetest dog ever. He just wants to love and be around love. It's funny, my wife, Joe, and I have like a running theme that we'll play, like we'll play smack each other on the leg or arm or something. It's just fake, you know. But Sniper shrieks and he freaks out at any type of violence. He's uh, It's obviously not real, but he can't tell the difference. And all he wants is just love and, and peace. Um, but when he gets to the vet, he just like smells that smell. He gets really scared. It's almost hard to watch. He starts growling and acting like he's going to bite the vets. Um, and he has not done that up until a story I can get into. Uh, that, t- that day it went well. It's emotionally kind of draining to take your dog to, you know, a vet like that. I think that we've all been there. It's obviously they don't think like a human, but in a way you feel like they know, like, why are you doing this to me? And it just, I think it's like these emotions that we put into our head that make us think that our dog has a much more elaborate process than they actually do. Because as soon as you pick them up they they love you and they don't hate you for what you just did. But, and it's for the better anyways, obviously. Um, Unfortunately, his liver came back with some results that could mean a lot of options, some more negative than others. He's a little bit older now, so it could simply be age. Uh, on the other hand, it could be cancer, could be a lot of things. So it's been a ride when it comes to uh, you know, all the things that are going on with my dog right now. It sucks because that dog has been, since the album The Discovery, that dog has been in the studio with me every time I've sat down to write a song or a riff or anything. And so it's definitely going to be one of those that is going to be hard for me for sure. And uh, so, yeah, I ask you to sense a positive energy. I mentioned that he's never bit anyone until the other day. So this is a mess. This is a reason that I was going to film this podcast a few days ago and didn't get the chance. And my head's everywhere today. And I'm sorry if you can tell. But um, basically, brought the dog to the vet. And as usual, and this was yesterday, no, two days ago. And uh, because we have to figure out what's going on with his liver. And so I bring him to the vet and 
I let them know, hey, it's better when I'm here, whatever you need to do. I, I put a muzzle on him and he will, uh, he, he'll, he'll be fine. He like stares at me with his muzzle, he breathes all heavy. It's, it's intense for me and, and the dog for sure, but it just eliminates any possibility of an, of an incident. So th- they say, no, it's okay. We're going to do this cone thing around his head. It'll be totally fine. And so I go home and two hours later, again, this dog's never bit anyone. Like I said, he, he's just like a lover. He wants nothing to do with any kind of intensity or violence or anything. A couple hours later, I get a call. He uh, bit the the vet. And it's really frustrating because I said this is a it's an op this is something that could happen. And it's a bummer because, you know, even if they didn't want to put the muzzle on at that moment in time, I think they said, oh, hey, we might not have seen him for a little bit. So we didn't want to have a muzzle on him. The bummer is I live right down the street. I could have come back in an hour or two. I could have brought the dog then. He didn't need to be sitting there all day. But I get the process and I don't want to infringe on their policies. That being said, now this dog is... Now my dog's bit somebody. And um, the issue in Texas is that he, uh, you, have to fi- you have to call animal control. And now it's a whole process. And so now they're like talking about quarantining my dog. He's not allowed to leave the house for 10 days. We have to pay all this money. And, you know, I'm sure there's two sides to it. I think that, uh, well, there's not two sides to that. That's the story. That's how it happened. That's what they told me. They were the ones there. So that's the one side of it. I, I just understand the dog owners are biased. And we always think our dogs are angels, just like our dogs always think we are angels. And, you know, you only want to see the best in your in your animal. So, obviously, you know, he shouldn't have bit the doctor. And, and I'll say this, I've never spanked that dog ever. Like, as far as abuse or anything that would make him angry, it's never happened. I've never done anything wrong with that dog. Aside from leaving, you know, to go on tour. And I have, I've heard that that can give dogs social anxiety and things like that. But as far as being a mean dog, it's not it's not even in his system. I just think if I were to guess it would have been one of the couple times like the vets cut his nails too short and it just like he started hating the place and it wasn't always like that, but at a certain point in his life he just got to you know, just being completely against the whole process. So it's a mess right now. Right now I'm going through, you know, the dog could have a really serious health problem. He's ten years old, it's a little older. So there's gonna be bills there. There's now this these issues with quarantining and microchipping and all this, all the laws that apply to my particular town in Texas. And so, yeah, that's a mess. And I would have filmed this a few days earlier if I wasn't dealing with all of this. It's, it's been a bummer. Like it's really something that's on my mind. Heavy. A, is he okay? B, now he's just bit someone 10 years into his life. And yeah, it's got me, you know, my head in a, in a ton of different places, but you know, hopefully you guys send some positive vibes. Hopefully it comes back that uh, maybe he just needs a supplement to get his liver back. I mean, maybe he's just, it's old age. and uh, But, you know, I'm hoping that's not cancer. That's just something no dog owner wants. And, and I think everyone can understand. So, um, following the first appointment the other week, we got into about uh, the 4th of July weekend. So we had some friends arrive in Dallas, and uh, Justin Hills from Sleeping with Sirens was one of them. His girlfriend, Lindsay, drove up from Michigan. His girlfriend and him, they both drove up together, which is cool because usually she comes and he's not able to because of tour. We're friends. Um, I've known him for years from touring with each other. Also, they're a new Sumerian band, which is awesome. 
and his his girlfriend Lindsay and my wife have been best friends for as long as I've known my wife as well. Uh, we love hanging with them. We don't get to do it as much as we like. So they came for a week. They were there a few days before the Fourth of July and a few days after. Uh, Aaron Stakaner, who is my live drummer for my solo shows, he's also the drummer of the Faceless. He has his own band called Interloper as well. I met Aaron when he had to fill in for Cameron on tour with Bono Osiris because Cameron had a medical emergency. Aaron had five days to learn an hour plus of Bono Osiris songs, and he did it in, and he did it in five days and and just killed it. Um, we uh, we have a ton in common from World of Warcraft to favorite bands outside of the metal genre to really anything. And uh, yes, I said World of Warcraft. Don't make fun of me, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, the friendship really just blossomed from from him touring with us, and he's a great person. Obviously, one of the most talented drummers you're gonna meet. So he came by, also crashed with me. So we had we had some bodies in my in my place for the first time in a while. We've never really had that many people sleeping over, but it was fun. We made the best of it. Um, yeah, who else? We had um, EJ Shannon. So EJ is kind of a jack of all trades with with Born and Osiris. He does tour manager managing day-to-day for Born with Cyrus. Uh, he came, his buddy Tanner came, and that was cool. We didn't talk business once, which is awesome, because I feel that sometimes when you work with friends in the, in the music industry, um, it can feel like it's too much business all the time, and so it's good to like really just make sure that you're hanging out without business involved. I think we set, we talked about one tour possibility because Tanner has a band that we might bring, blah, blah, blah. That was just part of, it just worked that way. But yeah, that was a 10 minute conversation out of a, you know, a five day trip. Um, my wife, Joe's other best friend, Leslie came and last, but certainly not least my friend Griffin came. We have a uh, Griffin's cool. He dated Leslie back in the day and uh, we have like a ton in common as far as music. Like we're, uh, he's like that friend that, you're up late at night listening to music after a few drinks and I love hanging with them. So that's basically the group that I spent my 4th of July weekend with. We drove from my house um, in Dallas to San Antonio where we rented this mansion. It was called on Airbnb. It's, uh, you know, wasn't quite a mansion in the end, but it's okay because we're going to make the best of anything. When you get, when you got a good group of people, it doesn't really matter. Um, but it was fun. It was fun. So I would say that the house didn't quite come as advertised, but we made the best of it. Night one, we had a game night. We played this game that's called That's What She Said. So, And I recommend this game. That's why I'm bringing it up because it's like, uh, it's basically cards against humanity, but it's all like dirty and, and sexual. And, you know, you get a group of mid to late 20s and 30 year olds together and it's just a, it's a good old time. So we had some drinks, crashed early. We had to be up the next day, but we didn't know it was going to be three days floating the river. I think we had maybe planned one or two floats down the river in New Braunfels is where is where you do this in Texas. And if you get the chance in your life, I recommend anybody to go to Texas, New Braunfels, and float the river. It doesn't have to be 4th of July. It can be, uh, you know, any time in the summer. And you're going to have a good time. So the next day we truck it to New Braunfels to float the river. We each, we each have rafts and a couple rafts for coolers. My wife makes these crazy jello shots, and you better believe she brought them this time. She likes to make them for just about any of any occasion, and I'm tra- I'm talking these things are strong as hell. They're they're actually like taking a shot, even though they just taste like Jello. 
I think most, if anyone, if you've ever had a jello shot, if you're watching or listening to this, you can probably be, agree with me when I say they're usually like a ton of sugar, not much alcohol, which in the end is just going to lead to a hangover and possibly not even a, uh, you know, a buzz, but not my wife's. We always make a joke that she should go into it as a business because these things taste incredible and they will fuck you up. They're worth drinking or shooting, whatever you want to call it. Jello, whatever you do with Jello. Yeah, they're great. So <laughs> this first day, we're just tossing these things to strangers. We're making, you know, the total best of the river. This is our first float. So we're all just full of energy and, and pumped on this. We had a great day. But we ended up being like super, super sunburned and super beat up by the rocks. So there's a couple different rivers you can float in New Braunfels. And we usually float a certain one. And it's pretty simple. Like, one spot there's a man-made chute for your tubes and that um it's pretty safe like at the bottom of it you get jumbled up with people you might lose your group a lot of people like kind of congregate at the bottom of it so that's about the only rough spot of it this one is like all natural and it has rapids and we were not expecting it it was my first time on this particular river even though we float the other one pretty often so my the bottoms of my feet are our feet are all cut up. We're all red from sunburn. That was probably our fault because as white as I am and as long as I that I've known in my lifetime that I have to apply sunscreen, I have been just doing it and hopping in the water and it's never really mattered. As long as I put sunscreen on, I'm usually okay. Not this time. Burnt as shit. Lesson was learned for the next few days that if you're gonna put sunscreen on, do it at least fifteen minutes before you go in the water. This might be obvious to all of you, but I, something I just learned, you know, that weekend. Day two on the river, we showed up better prepared. We have This time we have water shoes. Uh, we, tie, we tied each other's rafts together in a way that will work for the rapids. Because the first time, we were tied up in a circle with the, the coolers in the middle. But the rapids are thin, often one tube wide. So the next day, we realize we, we can't get, get away with it like that. So we tie in a straight line. And, if you know, you can... You can wrap up into a circle with the two ends of the line when you need and un and unhinge from each other when it's time for the rapids. So this day we've got shoes on. Uh, we're wearing shirts, you know, because we're not even going to mess with the sun on this day. We're so burnt from day one. And this was actually the 4th of July. So after the river, we cooked a huge meal on, on the grill back at the Airbnb. Uh, we're, we're up till probably 2 a.m. blasting music and singing. It was it was really fun. It was like a night that I didn't even know I needed. I think that I think I tweeted about it this on this night. Sometimes I get so wrapped up in writing music and and doing my career that like I won't even make enough time for just those innocent hangs with friends, listening to music, showing each other new bands. It's something that I need to be better about. Again, it, all these people that I'm at the trip with, these are like my best, you know, my best friends. And um, it's just like after these nights of hanging out and listening to music and just enjoying each other's company, it made me think like, damn, I need to make time for this so much more instead of just seeing somebody maybe once every two weeks or once a week, just um, just making time for these nights because it's so healthy and I leave so inspired. I saw I, they showed me a ton of new bands on this night, uh, one of which I'm going to review here this is the album for for this podcast that i'm gonna review and uh 
Yeah. So it's just something I think everybody needs to do. I noticed that like when you're writing or you're off for a long period of time, I'm always like, I'm always writing every day. And I've said this a million times on this podcast, but I, I'll like run out of gas as far as writing goes. And I'll need to either go to a concert or something like that to kind of just like kick some inspiration back into me. And this is not something we're able to do this year, which is very unfortunate. So, um, it was, it was cool. Cause that night, it was the night that I, I got to see, like, there are other ways to get into, um, get inspiration from, from to, to continue writing and all that without having to necessarily, you know, go to a show or be on tour or all the things that usually, you know, get me, get me inspired again. Uh, so the final day we decided to just tie off on a tree instead of floating down on the rapids and all the chaos again. That was an unexpected day. It was kind of a day we had open to do whatever we wanted. And it was good. It was relaxing to start. I think this might have been the day we were a little more, you know, under the weather. But again, we we did a good job on this trip of not getting like super drunk and to the point where we were hungover and regretting anything. And that, that's something as I get older, I'm enjoying more and more because I think in my you know, five plus years ago, it was, it would have been full throttle that whole weekend and I would have been feeling miserable and yeah, I guess, you know, getting old, <laughs> but this was the day we were going to just chill. Um, the, uh, cause the other days are really intense with the sharp rocks and the drops and it just takes a lot out of you. Well, fast forward a few of those jello shots that I was talking about and we decide that we're going down the river again. and. It was, by this time, we felt like professionals, I would say. It was our best float, you know, by a long shot. The unexpected one, and, you know, that happens in life sometimes. The unexpected moments and unexpected hangs end up being the best ones. Um, But, yeah, that was it. So, the following day, we drove home. That was it for the vacation. Um, Aaron Stakhanov stayed for a couple extra days in my house, and we worked on drums for a new solo song that I'm writing, and that's always exciting. This is... um, it's just nice to get a, a little relaxing work done at the end of the vacation because, like I said, I'm leaving this weekend, this trip, just super inspired. And, um, yeah, so that was that. So that's what the last couple of weeks have been like since the last podcast. It was a crazy, much-needed little few weeks of my life that just kind of took me away from that what's going on in the world and the virus, you know, all the th- all the stuff on the lake and the and the people I was I was with had been quarantined and you know, on the lake, you're not next to anybody, you're outside, taking in the the beautiful sun, so that's what I've been up to, and uh, yeah, now we're here. So this next part of the podcast is called What I'm Listening To, or whatever you want, but it's what I'm listening to, and this is the band that I was talking about, that I was, uh, Aaron Stakhanov and Griffin both uh, teamed up and and opened up my eyes to the band is called agent fresco the album is called destrier this is a 15 song album with with the bonus track included otherwise 14 it's 56 minutes long with the bonus track agent fresco is a four-piece prog rock band from iceland i was introduced to this band during our vacation last week as i mentioned and i really couldn't be more excited about sharing them with you guys this band reminds me of my favorite band of all time carnival Mixed with the Mars Volta, mixed with Leprous, which is a uh, another very uh, carnival 
I would say just the combination of all of their those progressive rock styles come together to really form this Agent Fresco band that that really just has blown me away. And those are some of my three favorite bands that I'm comparing this band to. So to consider them to be like the musical ingredients to the sound that is Agent Fresco is not something I would say lightly. I see this band shooting to the top of my favorite band list with ease. You'll hear math rock, pop, alternative metal, and high-level musicianship all over this release on every instrument, especially down to the vocalist. And just songwriting is something that you know, I got to tip my hat to. Um, it's brilliant, structured, yet not boring. The, the best part is, is they do all this stuff so fluid. It sounds effortless. Um, Destrier is the title. And by the way, that is a medieval warhorse born and raised for battle. I had to Google that because I was very curious. But finding out what it means, it fits the vibe of the record. There seems to be a sonic and lyrical theme of struggle. And that's just uh, the beginning of what you're going to hear and feel. I'm completely fascinated by this band right now. I usually try and pick a standout track for these what I'm listening to segments, but it felt impossible. So I'm going to pick a few. Track two is called Dark Water. Nine seconds in, you are already hooked. It's a, There's an infectious piano and rhythmic structure to all of it that just makes it instantly memorable. And we're just talking about the beginning. It just gets better and better. I encourage you to check that song out. Track three is called Pyre, P-Y-R-E. It reminds me of the caudal lure from Carnival's second, uh, I'm not sure second, but it's their album Sound Awake. I believe it's their second album. Um, which is potentially my favorite album of all time. That's something that you guys should just check out in general, Carnival Sound Awake. Uh, But the two songs in particular share this theme of like a catchy rhythmic drum part that they'll lay notes over or like a simple melody over select snare or tom hits. They make you feel like the note of the drum is actually changing. It's a great effect. And as you might expect, an amazing song follows this incredible intro. I think that in the Carnival track, Caudal Lure, it's the snare drum accents that there's this like, there's just a note on each snare hit. And so when you when you first hear the snare like a few times, you think that this is, uh, the, the notes, I don't know, you almost think it's like the ringing pitch of the snare in a way. And then all of a sudden when it changes, you realize that this is a layer of another instrument on the snare. And it's so cool. And I think they did it on this track, if, if my memory serves me correctly, on the toms. I could be wrong. But either way, I think you get the concept of, of what I'm saying here. But the song's cool. Uh, track nine is called Sea Hell. And it is also a favorite. And the vocalist from Born of Osiris, one of my best friends in the world, Ronnie, says that this is his favorite for sure. It starts with a really memorable driving and heavy guitar part that just hits home for 45 seconds or so into a gorgeous verse with tons of layering and incredible vocals. I could go on forever about this record, honestly, and easily have a great time reviewing each track in full depth, but I think you've, uh, I've given you enough here. You've got to listen to this. This is something I'm so excited to share with you guys if you haven't already heard it. Um, that buddy of mine, Griffin, came over to my house the other day and asked if I had heard another one of their albums. I'm not sure which one it was. might have been before this one i believe it was the one before this one destrier um and i had said that i hadn't heard it yet because i was still so wrapped up in destrier and he said that he likes that one potentially better so i'm talking about one album right here but i think it's crucial that you guys go and, and check out the uh, 
their whole catalog because I'm about to do the same myself, and I think you guys should should too. This band is incredible. I can't stress it enough. Um, and uh, I would love to tour this band. I'd love to play shows with this band. It's not necessarily, you know, Born with Cyrus heavy, but you know, I like to think that we're an experimental group that um, can do experimental kind of tours. And if not, I'd love to go on tour with them in my solo stuff or or within Motive would probably be the best, you know, best fit of all the three things that I that I mainly do in music. So that would be great. All right, tour dates, none. This is the time I usually go over tour dates and would love to go over tour dates with you guys, but it is just not a possibility today because COVID. F-U COVID. I have a t-shirt that says, fuck coronavirus for sale, and I'm not joking, and I will put a link below so you can check that out. Um, yeah, and that's how I feel. I'm not downplaying the severity of it. Don't give me that bullshit. But I do believe fuck that damn virus because I'm sick of, you know, this entire year being sidelined. We have, you know, I have a boo record done. I have a solo record done. And it's just like, you know, do you put it out? And then when we can tour again in six months to a year, by then people are sick of it and go, hey, when's you going to put a new record out? Or, you know, like I might I might have mentioned on another podcast, the other end of it is while we're all stuck at home, you drop that album now, it could get more attention. And we can end up touring in three months. Who knows? Not likely. But it's just, uh, yeah, fuck this damn virus. It seems like it's holding up the entire year. It seems like it's holding up everything. And uh, yeah, it's frustrating. Let's get into some Born of Osiris news. Um, I started a new song for the next album which is exciting. I figure, fuck it, if we can't, just because we can't tour and just because the new Born Osiris album isn't quite out yet doesn't mean I shouldn't be writing if I'm inspired. And, and as I mentioned, the you know previous three weeks have, have got me inspired again. Um, so yeah, I started a new song. We dropped the Analogs in a Cell video live from quarantine. So basically, this was fun. Basically, I had everyone film themselves in their studios running a few takes through analogs in a cell and recording themselves at the same time. And this one, I took everyone's recording and videos and I put it all together. I mixed it here in my studio. And I had fun overall with the project. We've talked about doing some more. None are officially in the works, but don't be surprised if we do another one or two of those while we have the rest of the year off or three. Who knows? Um, as far as the new Boo album is concerned, I think the last time we did a podcast, we... It was still complete and titled, which I can't announce yet. And of course, I would love to, but it'd be rude if I did it here. Uh, we just haven't been able to find the right art for it. At this point, I think we have three different people paid for for making album covers for us. And at this point, the best one is going to win. And and trust me, that's not the cheapest way to go about things. Usually, you hire one person and you go over things and that's that. But we've just not seeing the results we need and I'm not calling anybody out hopefully you never find out who the people are that didn't get what we wanted they're all amazing artists nonetheless and that's why we chose them so this isn't a, you know a shit talk on them it's just that we're not happy at this point in time we're putting money down to really get what we need um, the best one's going to get the cover and the rest will have been paid and maybe we'll use what they made us for tour flyers or merchandise um, it's never been this hard for us to land on artwork ever and I think it's in part because we're choosing to reinvent our artistic style for this. A lot of our albums were done by the same artist before, and, and 
I think I'll continue to use him for solo stuff because I'm so fascinated by his artwork, Cameron Gray. Um, it's it's just Boo has decided to take a new path and almost a new chapter artistically, and I think it's going to be cool when we land on what we want. But at the moment, it's stressful. I'm I'm just excited for you guys to hear the record. As I've said before, we're a group of extremely passionate. Um, extremely passionate guys when it comes to this band and that doesn't just end with the music that's that's the artwork that's the the song titles that's that's just everything and when you need everyone to just be completely happy with something that's that's hard but when you need everyone to be happy with a whole entire new direction a reinvention I think that's especially hard and in the end it's going to be great I know it because we we're bringing on multiple people to make this vision happen correctly and I'm excited to get there to something that we're all happy with because this album's done. And while we're, we're talking about whether we release it or not, we can't even get there until we have artwork. So I'm excited to I'm excited to be there. Um, as far as news on my solo music, I started album three. Fuck it. As I mentioned above, Aaron Stakonner, my drummer, came over. We worked on the first track to the third solo album. And I know the second one is not out yet, but while the world is waiting on things to get normal, I'm still writing and I'm still grinding and I still love writing. I've mentioned to you guys before that, you know, writing is my favorite part about being a musician. So that's something that never really stops. Um, I did take a month or two off at the, like at the beginning of this year, which is weird because when I'm like 24 seven writing year round, COVID hit and I was stuck at home, unable to go out, even though I don't go out a ton. And it just, I don't know, it it felt like maybe that rebellious kid in class where you're like, oh, I have to be here now? Like, fuck you. I don't know. I can't really explain why, but I just felt really uninspired. And maybe it's because I just finished a Boo record and a a second solo record. Maybe I just needed to give my brain a break. So maybe it had nothing to do with coronavirus. But for whatever reason, I can't pinpoint. It was like my first songwriting break in years. And, you know, I don't know. It was needed, but I'm back now. I'm, I've started the new Born record that's the one after the one that hasn't come out yet. And I've started the new solo record that's the one after the one that hasn't come out, come out yet. But I guess in an ideal world, if it was up to me, it would be maybe we drop these new, these unreleased ones when when the world gets slightly back to normal and then just follow them up quickly and just hit the road hard. And so... While right now seems like a downtime or a funk, it would be cool if when this all gets back to normal, we just hit you with two releases, you know? And um, so I'm not sure how it'll go. I don't make the decisions uh, by myself when it comes to Born or in Motive. That's a group group effort. I can make those decisions on solo things. So we'll see how it goes. But it's just important to me that we get some artwork for Boo. We get these records out. We get back on tour as soon as the world gets you know, unfucked, and then we drop new music maybe pretty quickly after that. Again, that's me, and uh, obviously, if we know one thing about the world right now, you're not getting what you want. All right, news on in motive. Subtle mistakes, we did the acoustic video drop. So this was a similar scenario to the analogs one for Born, and in that we did like a laid back this one was a laid back acoustic take on our song subtle mistakes 
Uh, we were doing this all distance from each other in our home studios, similar to analogs. We each tracked, filmed our performances, and had them mixed as well as sending the videos to Sumerian to edit. So I did all the video work and stuff on my end on the Boo one. So I was glad to have someone else take the reins on this one. You can find that uh, out. It's a single. There's a video on YouTube, but it's a single that you can listen to anywhere music is streamed. So, you know, YouTube is uh, is the place for the video. Apple Music and Spotify and Google Play and all that stuff is the is the uh, is the place for the song itself. And if I remember, I'll drop a link to it in the description below this video if you're watching on YouTube. On top of that, we have two new songs finished and we're waiting on drum tracking. The rest of the songs are complete. We're just waiting on the studio we track drums at to finish renovations from COVID is what I'm told. Do not ask me what that means either. I'm not sure what that has to do with COVID. Maybe they had some construction going on at the studio that because of COVID they can't complete. But I'm pretty sure we filmed, we tracked the rest of the stuff at that studio for these songs pretty recently. So I'm not quite sure what's going on there. But I can tell you that sometimes in the unmotive world, things don't move as fast as I would like them to. And uh, this time it really is out of our hands. And and But it shouldn't take long. I'm told a couple weeks max and we can get back in that studio. One week. Who knows? But I'm excited. These are some of my favorite songs. I love Subtle Mistakes. I love the things we did previously. But with with Dave, our new singer, it just feels like everything has come together. And even when you get a new member or anything like that, you, you create together and it's great. Like Subtle Mistakes, I love. It wouldn't change anything. But when you work together more and more, you kind of get to that point where you just kind of figure each other out in as far as what works for each other, what what people like as far as songwriting and structure and I've noticed this about Dave and he's noticed that about me and and we're just kind of honing the craft and you know and sharpening the blade that is our you know songwriting process. So, yeah, I think you're going to dig these tracks. I hope you dig the tracks. If not, sorry, but yeah, these are some of my favorites and I'm pumped on getting them out. We will release them as soon as possible. That's something I do know. We are not waiting on anything other than um just simply a studio. So yeah, let's do some let's do some Q and A, huh? <laughs> wow, I opened the Q and A that I took a screenshot of on Instagram, and it's my wife asking about sex. So we'll skip that one. <laughs> All right, second question. I am Marie six 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 six. That's Instagram. Says why you're such an inspiring badass. Keep it up, dude. Okay, so no question, but thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I can't answer why I'm just doing me. I'm writing music every day. I recommend everyone do the same. As a matter of fact, I'll give you, you didn't ask for it, but I'm gonna give you a tip here. This is something that I talked to about, um, talked about with Mark Akubo from Vail when he was going through like a, a little a bit of, um, writer's block. He was like, Hey, I'm just having trouble. I feel like, you know, I'm stuck and what can I do? So the question is how to be a, a badass or something, but I could say this, how to be consistent with music. Cause I think that's all I am really. And that is sit down every single day. Okay. And I know that people work jobs and it's not as easy for other people to do um, where it might be that way for me, but 
I think just for five minutes, even if you work a nine to five and you come home and again, there's people have families. There's, this is a loaded situation, but let me just say this. Do your best to get five minutes to an hour um, in front of your studio, um, just writing music and make sure you record something. And even if you don't necessarily like it, bounce it, date it. Okay. Even if it's five seconds of a riff, cause you only have five minutes. Um, do that date it eventually days go by and you've developed a riff bank but along the way i guarantee you something will happen this is what happens for me you could go through five days of going uh, what i just wrote today was not the coolest thing on the planet but one day even in the middle of your little funk that you're feeling you will write something and you will love it and i promise this is the way to do it i think consistency and showing up every day and trying is the is the best way to get results in the studio and that's when you're going through, you know, more of a, a roadblock as far as as far as writer's block goes. So, yeah, that wasn't the question you asked, but there's an answer. All right. OK, so at Shiv Desai 43, that's S-H-I-V-D-E-S-A-I 43 says, how high should your action on your guitar be if you're playing modern metal slash prog metal? All right. This is a very interesting question. Often you will hear people say, lower the better because speed, right? So while I do like low action because there is, a, it just feels faster, it feels like butter, I like that. There's one aspect that it really, uh, it really fucks, and that's pinch harmonics and pinch squeals, whatever you want to call them. And if you've listened to Born of Osiris, you know that is something that we do heavily in our music. So... What I would recommend, to be honest, is just a medium, maybe medium rare. You know what I mean? Let's go medium low. How about that? Let's say medium low because you go too low, I feel like you lose a lot of harmonic content on the guitar, fret harmonics, pinch harmonics, things of that nature. You can obviously run into just, you know, fretting out at certain places on your guitar. But if the guitar is set up, you should be able to go extremely low and and be fine. And what you'll run into is... um, issues doing pinch uh, pinch harmonics so that would be the answer to that question for me is just don't go all the way down like all the way as low as possible because you will run into issues if you are literally just running a million miles an hour across your fretboard and you're not worrying about pinch harmonics and shit like that sure just slam it to the fretboard i don't really see too much of a problem there i've picked up guitars and loved how low it was and i felt really fast on them when it was just plastered to the fretboard but um yeah, second that guitar gets some cold, you know, some weather, quick weather change and the neck starts acting up or anything can go wrong with that shit real fast. But obviously, you know, for me, I need it for, you know, the pinch pinch harmonics and, and shit like that. Cool. Next question. At este underscore Ibanez, E-S-T-E underscore I-B-A-N-E-Z. When did you start playing guitar is the question. I was 10 years old. When I got my first guitar, I'm 31 now. So I've been playing for 21 years. I will tell you the story, though, because I think it's kind of fun to look back on for me, at least, and interesting. Um, my dad was a repo investigator and a private investigator at a company called Search. Investigation and Search Recovery It was like a two-sided company. The one side, he was a private investigator, did security work, bodyguard, all that kind of thing. He worked for like the Chicago Bulls and really cool shit. And then um, the other side was search recovery. And that was he would repo cars for the bank if people couldn't pay their bill. And that's just the way life goes. But 
when your car is repoed, if you don't pay for it, like pay the money that you owe on it, it goes to auction. At least it did at the time. I don't know what the fuck happens anymore, but this is when I was growing up. It's a long time ago, 21 years ago. But the thing is with the belongings inside, people can pick them up if they choose. Obviously, that's your property inside the car. But some people naturally just don't pick their shit up. Maybe it's just like a little... They don't think it's valuable. They don't, they're not worth, it's not worth the trip. Maybe the, uh, they're intimidated by the situation, even though it's not intimidating at all just to go pick up your property. Whatever it is, people leave it all behind. And what is it most commonly? CDs. So I was exposed early from my dad's work of all these free CDs that people just never came to pick up. And the reason I wanted to play guitar was Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, and particularly his guitar player, Randy Rhodes. That's the reason. Um, I felt that his guitar playing was something you could sing in your head. And to this day, if you listen to my solo records and stuff, I'm not playing the fastest shit on earth. It's actually just melodic, extremely melodic. Some, I want you to just sing, maybe hum my guitar parts in your head. That's the goal. To, to just sing with the guitar, I guess you could say. So that was Randy Rhodes for me. And, and, his, and Zach Wilde followed. But it was really the stuff that Randy did that, that got me going. So around my, I was 10 years old and at Christmas was coming up. My dad says, what do you want for Christmas? And all I wanted was a guitar at this point in time. So I just drew a picture of a guitar. It was a black Gibson Flying V. And that's what I wanted at the time. I think Randy Rhodes played a Flying V. That's probably why. I never put two and two together for that until now. So I think I just discovered that in front of you, that Randy played a V. But my mother was concerned. She didn't really want to get me that. I think she was worried about noise in the house, things like that. Don't worry, she's extremely supportive nowadays. That's not what I'm getting at. Um, she's awesome. But at the time, there was a, you know issues worried. You know she was worried about volume. So, but I was like refusing. So basically, she said no. So I was like refusing though. I was like, no, this is all I want: a guitar. I want a guitar, and I accept nothing else. I'm just being a bratty ten year old. Anyways. I don't tell them another thing I want. That's it. They have a picture of a black flying V. Christmas goes by, I get a ton of things. And then, you know, my mom's like, all right, that's it. And so I'm pissed. I'm just, you know, I didn't get what I wanted. Then my dad goes, hold on a second. There's one more thing. As you can probably guess where the story ends. He busts out a guitar. It was a black Gibson Epiphone flying V. And he bought it for me. My mom did not know. And she was not aware that this was happening, and she was not a happy camper at the moment. But fast forward, she helped me get like my one of my first amps later on, like when it, when it came to like tube amps and getting ahead and a cab and stuff. She helped me there. So yeah, she's super supportive. She comes to my shows in Chicago, and uh, but it's just funny to me how that worked out a good good twenty one years ago, and it's crazy to think I've been playing guitar well over half my life. But yeah, it is what it is. It was kind of my constant growing up. You know, I switched schools a lot and from parents moving from work and, you know, when they split, going back and forth between them. And so guitar for me was like that thing where, you know, maybe I'm I'm upset this day and play my guitar. Maybe I'm happy this day playing play my guitar. And it's just been that fixture in my life ever since. So, yep, that's that's the answer to your question. I started playing guitar 21 years ago on Christmas. All right. At Caleb Garza. At C-A-L-E-B dot G-A-R-Z-A-A. Question is, best advice for someone who wants to get into recording music? So my advice is to just dive in head first. And, and it does not matter if you have a ton of cash. So I probably 
shouldn't be recommending illegally downloading things, but the fact of the matter is you can illegally download programs. And there are, how about this? Get a free one. <laughs> Let's go there. Let's say that was the only thing I just said. Get a free program. They do exist. They may be somewhat limited in the amount of tracks that you can have in your session. Some of them like will come with, they won't let you save weird shit. Don't get that one. But like, and then there is the world of illegal torrenting. You do you. How about that? You're fucking free person. Um, I would say get a, uh, you got to get an interface. But again, you can get cheap interfaces with one input and get a lot done with that. Now, you can't maybe track a whole drum set like that or if, unless you use one microphone. But there's just a ton of ways. And, and you might have to record just your guitar. And then if you want to record your vocals, unplug that guitar, plug your vocal in. You can do a lot with one input. Um, and sure, it's not ideal. No, it's not what I would run today. I've been blessed to, you know, reinvest in myself through music throughout my career and, and build up a nice studio. And I think you can do the same. Um, also, uh, so my advice is this, get a program, whether it's a free one or a torrented one, get an interface and then you're off to the races. There's a ton of, re- I would recommend, you know, uh, you know, Focusrite has some cheap ones. We used to use the, the Mbox from Pro uh, Pro Tools, Avid. Um, there's tons of options and you don't need a lot of money. And, you know, if it's a money thing, like, I'm going to say this, bust out the credit card and, and maybe build your credit in the process. I don't I don't really know. Um, it's But I can tell you this. For me, it started a long time ago with a free program and I maybe borrowed an interface from a buddy. Also, if you have a friend who's into recording... And maybe he started with a cheaper interface and now he's got some fancy thing because he's upgraded. I'm telling you what, like, I, I'm sure they'd have no problem let you borrow something um, or maybe giving you a discounted rate. I think there's a website called uh, Zounds or something or maybe, I don't know if that's it, ZZZ, but Sounds, whatever. <laughs> you might know what I'm talking about and I might be butchering it, but they let you do payment plans. Maybe a parent can cosign let you help build your credit maybe your credit's good enough that you can do monthly installments but one thing is is don't let it don't let money be a reason that's that you don't do this um you just got to make it happen work a few extra hours and hey this person might be loaded that asked me this question they might be insulted by my answer right now but i'm just trying to give it to someone who has all the cards stacked against them right um you can make it happen with uh one way or another and and feel free to you know hit me up on Instagram again. If maybe something I said doesn't fit your scenario, your situation, I do want to help anyone get into writing music because it changed my life, potentially saved it. Who knows? Um, but it's something that is such a form of, of healing for me mentally and and physically and just in, in, in all ways, you know, um, it's like a therapy thing, you know, like I said, when you, the last question was how long have I been playing guitar? I said when I was happy, I played guitar. When I was sad, I played guitar. And now when I say that my music isn't the fastest shred on planet Earth, what is it though? It's it's emotion. I consider myself as a musician, a, a dealer of emotion. And you can kind of master the way you feel and put it into a song. And, and that's that's why I said, you know, to me, it can feel like a therapy. And I think everybody should do it. And you don't have to be good at it. Um, excuse me. One question I get all the time is, um, is it too late for me to start playing guitar? Even, even is it too late for me to start a studio? It's never too late. And this is why. As long as you're having fun, you win. You could be learning your first chord on guitar 
for 10 minutes a night when you get home from work. And as long as you get enjoyment out of that 10 minutes on guitar, you're succeeding at guitar. Because to me, what guitar is about is, en- is enjoyment. And I know that might sound really simple and elementary, but that's what it was for me my entire life. And it just happened to lead me to a place where I can do it professionally. And anybody can do that. Anybody can follow the same path and, and have their... Um, and, and even if it's not that you want to be a musician professionally, maybe you want to play alone in your room. Maybe you want to play at the bars on a Friday. There's so many different avenues and, and levels to it that uh, that you can go from, it makes me happy strumming a D chord on my new guitar. You win. This guy makes him happy when he can go play at the bar on a Friday for his buddies. He wins. And me, I get enjoyment out of the way I do my music and the places I get to travel and play. And, and for me, that makes me feel like I won too. And this isn't, this wins over the other because each each level of this is a different kind of sacrifice. The guy who pl- who plays for five minutes at night in his room might wish he was doing what I do and, and traveling the world. Whereas sometimes when I'm in a, somewhere else in the world, I wish I could just strum my guitar next to my wife at home on the couch. So, and, and again, I'm not complaining about what I have, but you know what I'm saying? Like there's just levels to it and everybody can win at their own level is just what you want out of it so get some free stuff if you have money get some badass stuff that's awesome too i don't know your financial level the person asking me this question that would be a good question um break down how i would go about it at you know different levels of of income that that would be a whole you know video on its own but anyways i hope that helped and um get back to me this isn't the end of the question. If, you know, hit me up again on Instagram, you know, if, if I didn't, uh, didn't, didn't answer your question here. Okay. Um, let's see here. A couple of these questions I've already talked about on the <laughs> podcast. This person says, shout out my OnlyFans page. I'm not going to do that. I'm sorry, but I hope your OnlyFans succeeds greatly. And I hope you become rich and famous. Um, biggest inspirations and favorite songs you've ever written and why? Okay. This question is asked by Ed Stroman, 0803, E-D-S-T-R-O-M-A-N-0803. The question, biggest inspirations and favorite songs you've ever written and why? So they kind of differed. Okay. So biggest inspirations, I'll say as far as personal experience, you know, I was very lucky to have Tosin fill in for Born Osiris. For, you know, I don't remember at this point, a year or two, whatever. This was before Animals as Leaders was taken off. So as far as uh, someone standing next to me, uh, he, he showed me so much. Some amazing guitar techniques. You guys obviously know he's a freak at guitar. Also an incredible human being. You know, that doesn't just end at his, his skill level. He's an inspira- inspiring guy all around. So I'll say that as far as personal experience. As far as... People I haven't met, um, my favorite guitar player is Guthrie Govan, hands down. And, um, you know, I was just thinking the other day, I don't really do guest people, uh, guest guitarists at least on my solo music or on any of my music because then I got to either A, bother them about tabs, B, learn it by ear and maybe risk being incorrect. And just in general, it's just, it seems like a pain. But I've had a couple different thoughts lately. And one was that I might do a whole EP with me and, and my friends on a guitar, Tosin, maybe get Guthrie, mm, you know, anybody, 
Anyone that I follow on my Instagram that I'm inspired by all the time. Obviously, the issue would be if I wanted to play a lot of those songs live. Now, you know, it goes down a, a rabbit hole that I'm not sure I want to entertain. But at least for a release, it could be fun. And then, but anyways, the reason I bring this up, um, I just think above all, if there's anyone in the world I would want on one of my solo songs, it would be Guthrie Govan. He's just so inspirational to me. He's the perfect mix of technique and mastering melody and emotion and, and all those things that I really, you know, think about more. And that's someone that I would definitely take the time to learn whatever they did on a song of mine and just be proud to play it and do it justice every night. Or maybe I would decide to let them keep that in their own and I would just write my own second solo for the song or something like that. You know, there's a different, million different ways to go about it. But yeah, that's something I want. What was the other question? I think it's favorite songs that I've made. And it's hard, I would say, for Born with Cyrus. Just off the top of my head, I really enjoy the song Recreate that I wrote. One of the songs called Under the Gun that I wrote on the simulation is a favorite. And it's not because of like the guitar playing that I wrote in it, because I'm doing a lot of like chords and, you know, simple riffs. and But just what happens when we play that song live makes it something special to me. And the journey that I went through writing it, for example, I would tell my wife like all the time, hey, I got this song, but I feel like it's maybe too soft for Born with Cyrus fans. And I rewrote that thing like a bunch of times. And... I was like scared to put it on a boo record and then instantly when that when the simulation came out that was definitely at the top of the list for people as far as um favorites and I think my man EJ who came on that trip with me on that trip I think he told me that that song's like cruising up on Apple Music or Spotify as like potentially a number one song for Bono Osiris which is crazy because at the heart of what it is it's definitely different than um than just about everything else we've done so I want to entertain that style a bit more. However, I know that that's not the core of what Born is either. So we'll keep things technical too. Don't worry. But yeah, I guess those come to mind. And then obviously my whole solo record, most probably my favorite thing is not released yet because it's just how th- I think as an artist you are, you 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 love your newest shit, even if it's not the best, <laughs> which, which I think it is because I think I grow. I, I hope that I'm growing as a musician and a songwriter. But I think nine times out of ten, my favorite shit is probably not even released. But I would also say my Infinite Mind album, my debut solo record, that's something I'm very proud of. You know, the first time doing something by myself with nobody else. Obviously, I had people, you know, I had Adrian from the Mars Volta on playing saxophone. And we'll continue to have saxophone and him on everything moving forward. But yeah, and just in general that album was me, you know, everything. I played all the instruments except for the ones that I physically couldn't and I can play a ton of instruments, not to sound like an ass, but yeah. So I'm very proud of that and I think, you know, any out al- any song on that you could pick out and I'm very proud of as well as far as you know, favorite songs go that I've that I've made. All right. At Sean Atron 27 S E A N underscore A underscore t-r-o-n underscore 27 why'd you go with headless guitars so at first i went with headless guitars because kiesel wanted to make they were making a model a headless model and they wanted to call it osiris and you may not know that's not my signature model but a lot of people don't know that and i get messages a lot saying look at my new model that my new osiris that i got 
Anyways, it's not my signature model. It's very close um, because it inspired a signature model of mine, the LMX. But the question why? So when I got the guitar, it was because I said, yes, you can use the name Osiris. Now, I don't own the name Osiris, but Jeff Kiesel is just one of my great friends, and he just wanted to make sure I wouldn't feel weird about him using the name. At the time, I didn't know why. I definitely know why now, because everyone thinks it's my signature model, and I wonder how many you know more LMX guitars I would have sold if people knew that that one was the one that's mine. No problem here. That the Osiris is an incredible model that mine is based off of. So I got the guitar as a gift, him basically just saying, thank you for letting me use the name Osiris. And what I found was that I would have, because of the shorter length of the guitar, I was like sticking it in the couch cushion next to me. And I was playing a ton more guitar because you can bring it more places. And I know it's not a ton of like real estate that you're gaining, but little, like what if eight inches, whatever it is that you're getting at the end of the headstock, eight, eight inches to 10, whatever. Um, it makes a shitload of a difference. And I found that it became something you can have on the couch next to you without your wife getting pissed or your girlfriend, whatever you got. But, um, you know, I just found myself playing a ton more guitar because it was just readily accessible at, at all times. Another reason was when I went to fly places, I've had necks broken on guitars mid-flight because I checked them. So I get off the flight in the new town and I look at my guitar, literally snapped in half, in a hard shell, by the way. Um, that was a bummer. That was after recording the new rain in high school. Flew back with the guitar I used, cracked in half. So the I the ones the the cases that they come in, the headless ones, are like this big, and they always go up top. They're always a carry-on. I've never once had to check it. And so that is um sorry, my phone's blowing up. That that's a plus. Now let's talk what I learned. Two points of contact for the string. So you have the bridge where the strings obviously enter the guitar. Then you have the, the, you know, the nut at the top of the first fret that they have to sl- connect to. And then the third point of contact on the guitar is where you rotate the string to tune it up and down, right? When it comes to something that vibrates, like a string, the more thi- think of anything in front of you vibrating. When you touch it, it vibrates less or will stop completely. Now, guitars historically are fine. All of them are fine. But... When you have two point on a guitar, I've noticed better sustain. So it comes out of the bridge, touches the nut at the top, and that's it. Two points of connection for this guitar string instead of three. I find you get more sustain. The string can vibrate longer, which in turn creates, you know, your tone. So that, what else? Um, It's lighter, which is a plus. You know, when you're playing over an hour of music, shit don't need to be heavy. I'm not like weak or anything, but fuck it why Why would i want something to be extra heavy and uncomfortable so yeah that's off the top of my head what i can think of for that i hope that's enough for you um if you have any questions or th- rumors that you've heard about the headless you know guitars feel free to hit me up cool let's see um next question last question at kross 45 k dot r o s s four five I'm relearning guitar. What is the best way to build up speed and accuracy? Unfortunately, I will have to recommend a metronome. It's something that I don't love doing, and I don't think anyone loves doing. But if you really want to talk about speed and accuracy, that's definitely the best way. For example, I mentioned jiu-jitsu earlier. When I'm learning jiu-jitsu or 
fortunate enough to be teaching maybe someone who's not as experienced in me at jiu-jitsu. The number one thing I've noticed is when you try to do things too fast, you throw technique out the window. And that comes with anything physical. Let's say that. Um, those are just two that I can apply to in my life. But So doing things slowly and working up the speed is the only way to bring the technique up with you, right? So say you're doing three notes, right? Slowly. The way that the fingers move, cool little faster. They'll do the same thing, a little faster. They'll do the same thing, a little faster, the same thing, a little faster. But now if you just jump up 20, 30, 40 BPM, all the technique goes out the window because now it's a, it feels like a different movement in general, if this makes sense. Now you're moving so fast that you don't have time to think about the technique anymore. You don't have any time. Similar to jiu-jitsu and some guy has to learn how to swim the hand under the throat to get there real tight. Now these kids start going, now their arm's down here. You know what I mean? This is a weird example. If you don't do jiu-jitsu, I'm sorry. But it is what it is. Um, anything technique-wise needs to be worked on at a slow speed and built up slowly. So you bring the proper technique and form up with you. And that's why I recommend a metronome. Um, or just anything in general that you're doing that's physical. Make sure you work up to it slowly. Awesome. Um, my phone's going nuts or i would do some more questions but i'll hold them till next week and accept more for next week right cool all right um as a note um as i mentioned earlier we've been dealing with enough news and chaos at least so i'm just going to take a minute to say that bands can't tour right now you probably know this we don't make shit off spotify or apple music not many people are buying albums anymore and merchandise is how we survive so i recommend that you google your favorite bands plus the word merchandise or merch and see what they have to offer right now Things look larger than life when you see them on stage, but offstage being a musician is tough financially. We're blessed to do what we do. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. And everyone is going through hardships right now, by the way. I know. But I'm saying that for the foreseeable future, the foreseeable future is going to be financially crippling for your favorite artists out there. Mark my words, you'll see the end of some of your favorite bands that are that were maybe on the fence about the lifestyle. Maybe the finances were just not quite enough or just sometimes a little bit enough to make it. Um, and now that's gone. So let's come together as a community and support each other. I'm not I'm not pitching you my direct merch. Of course, I have some, I, you know. But just bands in general, they could all use your help. And I also know that everyone could use help. So, again, I'm not just saying this is all about musicians right now, but I'd be crazy not to try to get some support out there for, for my fellow musicians. All right. Sponsors. I'm going to do another giveaway right here. For you guys that have stuck with me through this and through, and for the people that stick with me through the sponsors section, I know that it's not the most fun part of a podcast for some people, but the goal is to make it fun. And I believe in all these products here that, that I'm going to talk about. So, so let's do that. We're going to do a giveaway to Clocks and Colors. That's the first one. It's going to be a $250 gift card. Okay. Today, Thursday through, let's do Sunday. Go on the Instagram post that I just made about Clocks and Colors on my Instagram and comment make sure you follow clocks and colors make sure you follow me and then comment a friend tag a friend in the post do those three things and you could be entered into a giveaway for this 250 dollars gift card now i've done this on the last two podcasts and the, the dudes have received their um their gift cards and got some cool shit they reach out to you right away after this three four day period we'll do four so we'll do till sunday um and yeah, 
so it's it's jewelry I'm wearing some of the yeah the actually all four of these are I'm wearing a ton of their shit um they're a badass company all handcrafted men's jewelry if you got a, a lady in your life they have just recently launched another side of the company called Etta Love E T A H Love and that's for the women all incredible stuff um go check it out on my Instagram follow their Instagram obviously tag someone follow me and you could check it out. So if you want to see their website, it's www.clocksandcolors.com. That's C-L-O-C-K-S-A-N-D-C-O-L-O-U-R-S.com. Go check out what they have. The next sponsor is Head Rush Clothing. This is men and women's clothing. It's like biker style. It's well-made. You might have heard me say before that, you know, when you get some shirts and it's just ink on a t-shirt that gets cracked and ripped over time and just you know it doesn't hold well through the washing machine the washer and dryer and all that stuff they do patches like all their stuff is is, it's just really well made and well constructed and so for that reason i would i have to recommend it um it's www.headrushbrand.com that's h-e-a-d-r-u-s-h-b-r-a-n-d.com check it out it's really cool shit if it's not your style i understand but i think there's a good amount of people that uh that it could be your style Last but not least, Manscaped. Manscaped.com. Get yourself a precise trim downtown. You can use it anywhere, though, by the way. Proper manscaping requires precision-engineered tools. Not only does a man's sensitive areas require it, but both hygiene and ergonomics demand it. Out now is the Lawnmower 3.0. This is a top-quality shaver. It features a light, so you can see down there, and you're not going in blind. You know what I'm saying? I got I got so I have this thing, okay, and I and I fucking use it, and the light is the best part about it. Sorry, if any, if they don't agree, the light, the best part is the light. All right, this thing is running at seven thousand RPMs. Goddamn, it's waterproof. So, so you want to shave in the bath, not a problem. You want to shave in the pool, not a problem. You want to go scuba diving butt naked and shave at the bottom of the deep blue, that's not a problem. Make sure this weekend when you're trying to get some, trying to get your girl or your guy, whatever you're into, cool, to go downtown, that you know, you aren't making a, a statement that you don't care about things down there because nobody likes that. So you don't want to be goddamn Jumanji down there. Have a little have a little respect, you know what I mean? Unless they like it crazy, then hey, you're off the hook, guys. So again, for people who stuck around for the this part of the podcast, I want to offer you a discount on this product. Right now, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the discount code OSIRIS20. That's O-S-I-R-I-S-2-0 at www.manscaped.com. All right, people. I got to get going. I usually say some tour dates, but there are no tour dates. I just want to say, seriously, guys. Thank you for supporting this podcast. We're getting up to seventh this seventh episode. I appreciate you guys checking it out. If, if it's the first time here, thank you. I'm sorry about my scatterbrain today. I know I can I can already tell that uh, you know I got a lot on my mind. That the dog stuff is kind of bothering me. He's, my boy's unhealthy, and it's it's uh you know it's getting to me to be honest. But thank you for supporting the podcast. Um, thank you for giving me your time. Thank you, thank you for your patience on all the new music that uh, is, you know, kind of just waiting to come out for Born of Osiris and my solo shit and Motive. I appreciate you guys' patience. I hope when it all comes out, it was worth the wait. All right. 
Thank you guys again, and I'll see you on the next podcast. Peace.